We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Happy Friday, everyone. Lucky Lefty Podcast. I am your boy, Sean Davis. SD2 Mikes. We are brought to you by Anora Whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com. It is that premium American whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com. And if you drink, by all means, make sure that you do so responsibly. Left will be alone shortly. Had an early appointment fighting the L.A. traffic. Apple Podcasts and Spotify, right? YouTube channel, Lucky Lefty Podcast. The thumbs up, smash it for us. Leave your comments. We respond to all. Don't forget, exclusively starting in the fall, CFB Nation is where you'll find the audio edible daily of the Lucky Lefty Podcast. That's on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Leave five stars. Leave your comments. We greatly appreciate it. Home of the misguided passion. We spin it different. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, look, it's For the Culture Friday. It's For the Culture Friday. So we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to talk about Notre Dame and where they stand. Where does Notre Dame stand? Relevance on the field, off the field. Are they tier two? Are they number one from a business standpoint? TV ratings. Where does Notre Dame stand? And although Notre Dame is in a pretty good spot, I would say, in most areas that you can discuss concerning the brand, on the field, off the field, swag, financials, would you trade it all? For one championship, but you trade the Notre Dame brand and what it is 
for one national championship. I just want to gauge how bad as a fan base do we really want this next championship? That's the LL question of the day. How badly do you want a championship? Would you trade who Notre Dame is as a brand? That is spicy, Jason. That's why we... I, we, we talked about it last night. And I said, left, I think I'm going to throw this at the fan base. Because there's so much I have as a fan that I can kind of raid the rest of the fan bases across college football when they try to come at me about Notre Dame. It's like I shake up my canister. And I spray the financials, I shake up my canister, and I spray all the national titles and the relevancy and always being at the table and TV ratings and what we're about to get independently with a TV contract. And I just have so much to spray at the haters, right, as most of us do. But when I give all of that up, just to be able to win one more national championship. It's been 35 years. It's been 35 years. And maybe this is the kicker. Maybe when Malik earlier this week says Notre Dame has chosen to stay as a tier two college football program and they've chosen not to win a national championship. Maybe somewhere in their hearts and minds, the powers that be feel like that they would be selling out all of that other stuff that makes up Notre Dame to win in today's rat race in college football. Maybe that's their way of thinking, right? So I had to ask myself, like, would I be willing to give up that everything Notre Dame is for that national championship? Now, you know, I grew up when Lou Holtz was running the team. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I have that national championship under my belt. I'm, I'm good, left. I'm That's good, right. left. I'm That's good. Right. See, I, I have empathy for the younger Notre Dame fans, right? that didn't get to experience the Rocket, that didn't get to experience Jerome Bettis, and the greats of the Lou Holtz era, the national championship and the battles with Miami, smacking Florida State around. Like, I experienced all of that, left. Mm. Smacking Florida State around sounds good, too. Oh, man. I experienced it all, left. It was a great feeling, great time. We so almost the- beat them, though. We almost beat them when they were ranked in – coming off their national championship. We should have beat them. What are you talking about? They cheated, dude. That's a touchdown to Corey. Yeah, that's a touchdown. And that was outplay hey, on the fourth down before that though. Ev outplayed James Winston that night. I'll stand on that. Ev outplayed James Winston on the night. You know who else balled that night? I think Ev had I think Ev had a really good end of game where he gave us a chance to win at the end, 100%. I think Jameis, it's hard to say he played better than Jameis during that period of time, only because that man Jameis was something serious that, that those years. He was. He was he like was. the he's like the rabbit, you know. He's like the rabbit in the in the horse race. It's like you don't really beat the rabbit, but the, the rabbit's going to have his pace, you know what I mean? And I think. Uh, Ev gave us the chance, man. And, you know, I think we were shocking a lot of people at that time because they didn't think it would come down to that. Or when the game was looking like it was over because we had got that yeah. sack, got the penalty. Everybody's all oh, sealed up. Yeah. And we converted and then went all the way down and had the two point. It's just a lot going on. I would have called a better play personally. <laughs> there it is. There, because you had already run the play early in the game. 
Yeah, I get all that. But, you know, in situations and clutch moments, you got to pull out a play that was in the stash. You've been working on. You ain't you ain't put it on film yet. You know, the, we already ran it in the game. So naturally, you know, you got a hint of what's coming. I would have pulled out that, that good old faithful play. I got a good old faithful play that's undefeated. And it comes to the red zone on the five going in. You mean shout out, shout out to my dog Jerry Golf. I got it from him actually. You mean court, <laughs> quarterback power? Oh no. Against Clemson in the rain. That's 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 not it. Definitely would have caused something different in that one. <laughs> I mean, one, first of all, it's two yards. Why are we running side to side? Crazy call. Crazy call. Game on the line. You run it side to side mm-hmm. on a two-yard line. When 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 you got who at that time we had Ronnie Q. We have some guys. Are you going side to side? No. Yeah. Wouldn't have made that call. Then you got CJ. I mean, even with Deshaun. I'm not going side to side with Deshaun. Mm-hmm. He's 6'5". Yeah. You got that man falling sideways on the two? <laughs> Definitely would have had a different call. Well, let me tell you the LL question of the day. We talked about it. We talked about and asked the question, where does Notre Dame stand, right? Where do they stand as far as relevance? Where do they stand as far as branding? Where do they stand on the field? Where do they stand off the field, TV ratings? Where do they stand financially? And in most areas, I think we would say Notre Dame is at or near the top in most of those areas. And with all of that being said, would you let go of that as a Notre Dame fan just to win another championship? No. Like if somebody put that before you, you could be Notre Dame for the rest of eternity. Right? Man, endowment, ratings, always a seat at the table, loved or hated, biggest brand in college football, you can be that. But in order to win a national championship, you have to let all of that go. See, this is my comparison. I made it today on Twitter. It's the same as would you rather have an Odell type of career or would you have a Keenan Allen type of career? Mm. Keenan Allen is very consistent. He's definitely a Hall of Famer, definitely a Chargers uh, ring of honor, definitely – Made the one of the top, one of the most what top receiver money playing for the same team mm-hmm. going on 10 plus years, bunch of yards, bunch of accolades, no Super Bowl, but he had everything else. And then you got Odell, injury prone, inconsistent, famous. You 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 would think he's as famous as he is great. Got a Super Bowl, but you know, hurt, not as not as great numbers wise on the field. But would you give it all up, Keenan Allen, for a Super Bowl? I personally I like Keenan Allen's career just because of the longevity. So basically you're saying, see, this is tough because as an athlete. You don't start off in the backyard counting down three, two, one to become a Hall of Famer. You count down saying three, two, one to win the championship, whether it's catching the touchdown or hitting the shot as time goes on. That is the essence of the love for sports for most of us, right? But that's when. When the championship love comes from, though, is the consistency over a long period of time. Mm, Okay. Big moments. That's what we value. That's why we have the biggest retention of fans because we're consistent. Even in the last 10 years, I feel like we've uh, solidified a fan base to where win or lose, we're going to be there because the, the, ultimate goal of a championship, even though it hasn't been achieved, mm-hmm. it feels like it's on edge every year. It keeps bringing people back. 
Whereas in Odell career, it's like you're a big fan. There's years where you like, man, he's the worst dude in the league. It's a few years where he's the best. A few years you don't hear from him because he hurt. Then he pop out with a Super Bowl. And now you're like, oh, man, this is my favorite player. He got a Super Bowl. But you're looking at the, the in-between. You got fans that are hit or miss, you know, mm. fair weather fans. I think Notre Dame has the consistent fan base that's like, man, we're like the Denver Nuggets. We're like, we do everything right. We got one of the best teams around. All we need for teams to take us serious is a championship. Is a championship. You think they do everything? They can't defend. Who can't defend? Jamal Murray's a horrible defender. You see how they was defending Katie and Booker? Dude, you want to take one game? Katie and Booker blazed their defense an entire series. What are we talking about? An entire series? Devin Booker embarrassed their defense an entire series. They only won one game. They won two games. What are you talking about? Oh, well, it didn't feel like two games, but it wasn't. It wasn't like it was a close Dude, series. Devin Booker had like the most points in like the first three games of a series historically, and they didn't win the series. That the That's point. one player though. They don't defend. You just said they do everything well. Their they do everything is, well. Is you don't they play defense well. I'm not saying they're the best defensive team. Jokic is a pick and roll liability. What are you talking about? That's what we're talking about, one player. I'm talking about team defense. Now, if you put that in the perspective of the last teams that are left, Denver is one, if not the second best defensive team next to the Lakers. Out of the teams that are left? Yeah. You taking the, you taking the Eastern Conference too? The Sixers can't play no defense. Let's be honest. What? The Sixers can't play defense. Left. Boston, Boston, Boston proved that they're inconsistent on defense, right? Yeah. Right, stop, stop. Denver has no rim protection, and they just have a very efficient offense, bro. They do just enough. That's all they do. They do just enough defensive. Well, go ahead. Who in the East do you think has a better defense? Because the Sixers don't. The Sixers and Boston have a better defense all year than Denver. What are you talking about? We're not talking about all year. We're talking about in the playoffs right now. They are who they are. What are you talking about? If I needed a stop, I would trust Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown on the wings before would I you? trust really? Mike, Michael Porter Jr. as a defender. Are you kidding me? Marcus Smart or Jamal <laughs> Murray? Marcus <laughs> Smart or Jamal Murray to get you a, a stop? Well, if who I want in the game or who I want for one stop? See, that's see, one that's stop. Well, Jamal, Mur- Jamal Murray Smart. is horrible. Easily, Marcus Smart. But Marcus Smart is defensive player of the, of the year. What is that? And so back, you think I don't look. I think your analogy. You need to find somebody better than the Denver Nuggets to compare to Notre Dame. But go right ahead. I think for Notre Dame to be back on top for how we feel about them as a fan base, like the country would feel about them, like we feel about them. I think it comes down to winning the championship. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it puts us in that crosses us over into that championship tier of teams because no matter what, even if we beat the snot out of Clemson last year, they're still considered a championship tier team and a playoff team every year because of the recent history. They've won a couple. They're in the running. Mm-hmm. Some say that was considered a down year for Clemson last year. But whenever they get their quarterback situation right, I think with Davo, uh, with Davo being in there, they're going to be all right. I mean, the quarterback situation <laughs> is pretty much. I mean, well, yeah, they have their quarterback, but, you know, when they get that generational play at that position again, they'll be all right. I can agree with that. But, you know, that is where we sit. You know, I think what you said earlier this week rings true. It was shocking for me to hear, but it rings true. There is a conscious decision being made to not go after a national championship in the current landscape of college football. And I said to myself, what are the reasons why 
the powers that be would make the decision to not aggressively go after a national championship. And I said to myself, they must, they must believe that in order to win aggressively, they would have to give up everything else that they have in the hand already when it comes to the relevance, the branding. They feel like they would have to give, up, give that up or sacrifice it in some way, form, or fashion. Right. I don't know if I agree with that, but I'm just saying they, they must feel that way. And therefore, you know, that's when we come around to the stewardship part of how things have played out for Notre Dame. Now, I think Marcus Freeman readily recognizes what needs to be done done on the field. Need a quarterback. Need some big hogs up front to dominate the defensive front. He recognizes that. He's doing his best along with the staff to go and solve those issues on the recruiting trail. That's right. He's definitely solved the major issues coming in early uh, and getting on that. And we saw the results of that uh, and being the top five recruiting class to the point where I believe there was some collusion involved with some of these sites where they, they saw Notre Dame potentially being a top three class and started dropping guys' rankings. And I think, you know, it even goes into how the college football landscapes view views Notre Dame now in recruiting to where they're teaming up like the Avengers against Notre Dame and recruiting kids where we, you know, where we wasn't in the conversation before the uh-huh. little conversation we became to, to come into, you know, you got these teams that are like, whoa, 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 whoa what are y'all doing? <laughs> but, but in the media, they play us like, you know, we're not, we're not doing nothing special over here, but these teams know you got a team that just won a championship calling our ops. And say, hey, let's let's go together and stop this kid from thinking Notre Dame, you know, in their backyard. So it shows that Marcus Freeman is doing the right thing because of the response from other people, not so much of what he's doing, but uh-huh. the response he's getting from other colleges that in other years would destroy us in recruiting. Now they we got their attention and we just minding our business. So it shows that something's going right. And if we continue this and then add some winning to it with a quarterback, I really think we got got us something that's going to last a while. So let's, let's dig in where we stand on the field. We've kind of discussed this, but another uh, report came out, another list. This is the time for lists, right? The little bridge in between April and spring visits and the official visits in June. The month of May, coaches are out on the road and here we come with the list post-spring. I believe the linebacker core for Notre Dame was ranked 10th in the nation, according to all three. Defensive backfield was ranked 6th. But more importantly, <laughs> Sam Hartman was ranked as the 7th best quarterback returning in college football. That's going to give you a chance. Now, you know, that around a good team, it bumps him up like three or four spots. Now you're talking about a potentially top five quarterback in college football. Now that puts us in the conversation of competing against the Caleb Williams and USC because that, that is supposed to, quote unquote, be the great equalizer. If we got a top five quarterback, you got a top five quarterback, we can we can cancel that out. You know, just like. Jamal Murray and Jokic, their points with KD and Devin Booker, their points, they cancel each other out. So who's going to be that backing piece to get them over the hump? And I think for us, now that we got Sam as a top five, we're good in any game. You add that with a top five O-line, add that with a top five quarterback. Well, you had him at five. I had him at six. The list had him at seven. I think he's at seven individually, but he's top five when you bump, bump, buffer him with some with some talent. 
Mm. He just raised some points. I think we'll make him look better, but he's a good player by as a standalone. So yeah. Whereas Jack Cohn was like 35th, we bumped him up top 25. So I do think um it'll be cool to see uh just the development of where this can go. But now that I feel like we have a top five quarterback, we can go compete against Ohio State, I feel good, at or away or home. We can go to Clemson away or home. We can go to USC away or home. We can even go to Bama. And I know that whatever they got on their side in that quarterback room, we can give the same production or at least a chance of the same production. Yeah. Yeah. Last year you got a top 55,000th quarterback and you walking into Ohio State, it just doesn't feel like you got a chance as much. You would say a lot of things got to go right. But Ohio State walking into that game, they like, yeah, we may not have everything together right now. But we got a number two pick at quarterback mm-hmm. and a Top 10 pick at receiver. So when in doubt, we got better players in the right spots. Going into the game, I'm like, man, everything I go right, tell got to play great, and we got to call the right plays for him, and he got to stay healthy, and we got to block it right, and we got to make take big shots down the field. Ohio State's game plan probably was like, listen, we got CJ, so we're going to do our thing, and if it get tough, He's going to pull us out. That's a comforting thing as an offense coordinator. Probably a comforting thing for Ryan Day, which is why he's probably shitting bricks, knowing that he's got to actually try to put together some coaching stuff. Mm-hmm. You got to run the ball probably a lot more. Coach Alfred going to be way of way more of, a, of an importance this year. You just can't call basic stuff no more. He just delivers amazing plays. You got a game plan. So I think they're going to be more inwardly focused. I think how we were the last couple of years on just finding what, what makes us really, really good. And what makes us really, really good, we have it already. We got the QB. We got the run game. Defense is another year of experience. Beefed up. Guys are hungry. Coaching staff's intact. We looking to roll over some folks. Kyle State's like, damn, is the defense going to be – Together, uh-huh. are they gonna play better? Shoot, where's our offensive production gonna come from? Because he, because Harrison Jr. can't throw it to himself, right? And hell, if they know we he can't throw it to himself, we gonna have to run the ball. We gonna be able to block it. We ain't losing. We losing our first round tackle. Yo, that's why the fear factor for that Ohio State game, in my opinion, dropped. In my opinion, I feel a lot better about that Ohio State game this year because it's low. Because where are they gonna get their production from? He can't throw it to himself. You can only throw so many screens. You can only chuck it down the field so many times. And and honestly, I feel pretty good about that matchup. We got Ben Morrison. So at worst, at worst, we have Ben Morrison. A lot of teams can't say that. Well, see, in that type of matchup, if Marvin is – At worst, we have – I'm sorry. We're supposed to say at worst, you have Cam. And then at best you have, not at worst saying Cam's the worst, but to say we have a Ben Morrison that we don't have to put Ben Morrison on him all day uh-huh. and we can just rotate guys on him, we're good. Yeah. Not saying that Cam is not good, but, you know, I'll start out with him on Cam, tire him out a little bit, and then lock him up with Ben. Yeah. Put him on the Carnell Tate. Carnell Tate going to beat us in his first year? Okay. I'll take my chances. Not saying that he won't do well. But he ain't going to have no four touchdowns or something crazy like that. Because who's throwing in the rock?
Notre Dame just picked up another commit, three star. So he's high three star, 6'3, 195 pound athlete, Teddy Rezac. Whereas the third, four, four, eight, 40, 35 inch vert from West Side, 2024, athlete safety secondary. He just committed to Notre Dame. No we talked about we talked about difference makers, right? I've accepted that some difference makers is just not, it's just not gonna happen. You know, it's, I mean, especially from the state of Georgia. Like we getting Caleb Downs to leave Georgia and say no to Alabama and Georgia. Look, the Rezac pickup is a really good pickup. It's a really good pickup. Are there better safeties out there that Notre Dame still needs to get into this class? Yes. Yes. And I don't even think this kid is going to stay as safety. He's probably going to end up moving a rover. And if that's the case, there's definitely some more kids out there in the 24 class that you can get that have a little more upside. Just my opinion. Yeah, I mean, that's my opinion. I think the focus should be, though, too, is coaching. If we have the best coaching, mm-hmm. and we're we going to talk coach. about, we're going to watch film on somebody. I don't know if they're on your schedule this year. We're going to watch film on who I think is the next. Yep. Who I think is a hybrid between Manti. And Jalen Smith. He is an absolute. If Notre Dame gets this kid at the linebacker position, it's he I watch his film and I'm like, yep, he's not quite Jalen, but he's a little bit more athletic and has the same air about him as a Banta. We're gonna watch his film in a few minutes. But go ahead, love. Just just talk about what you're saying. Um, and, and and what aspect again? I was no, no. You were talking about getting. The, you know, you can't always get. The oh yeah, I respond to the fact that if we get really, really, really good coaching, we may not get the day one players out of recruiting. Where uh-huh. it's like, okay, Caleb Downs is starting. I don't care who we got on the roster first day of. Uh-huh camp but we can raise guys like this what's his name a rezek rezek yeah rezek rezek we can with elite coaching turn those guys into potential players down the line i think clemson started out with doing that well clemson has done that right bring cats in to safety move them at the rover position and then gradually move them over to the wheel position where they become stars absolutely we yeah we've absolutely so, seen it work. So we've seen that development happen, but I think it comes with great coaching when you can't bring a Caleb Downs in a freshman year. Mm-hmm. And I think the great equalizer of not being able to pick up five stars out of high school on a mass level is being a master at the transfer pool, because at least you're getting ready-made products that have college experience mm-hmm. instead of ready-made products that don't. So I think when you're filling holes, transfers and being a master at that would be way more helpful, maybe not in the development down the line, but from a we need to beat this team because they got this guy right now mm-hmm. and he only got a year left and we don't want to take this loss. Like building a team to beat Caleb Williams for a year because, you know, we're going to need a little extra from the transfer portal. I think that's where we have to play. Now, the restrictions are still a little tough, but, hell, you can't get it right your fifth year in college. <laughs> Boy, you stupid. <laughs> so I think that's an easier fight when getting around oh, those man. type of uh, rules. Because as a fifth year, I'm sure Sam's probably taking a guitar class, underwater basket weaving, um, you know, some, some basic classes, football, you know, whatever. So I do think it's important. And if you can't get them early, you can get around it by getting in that transfer portal. Lucky Lefty Podcast. And 
we talk about where we stand. And I think where we stand and how that starts to change, I think recruiting is the bloodline of how that will begin to reshape itself in the coming years under Marcus Freeman. Now, we know Marcus Freeman and the staff, they have no problem identifying the issue <laughs> and making way for change. Uh, they might go about it very brash in some ways. They might hurt some feelings. But it is what it is. You have to respect the fact that they identify change, right? And one of those kids will get to shortly. But remember, smash the like button. Lucky Lefty Podcast. Don't forget CFB Nation. Exclusively in the fall for your audio edible each and every day. Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It's the Lucky Lefty Podcast. You already know we spin it different. Now we go to watch film for Kingston via Lamuasa out of St. Out of Bosco Prep out in California. Left, look, it is Ohio State, USC, Notre Dame. And when you watch this young man left, he is to me, Jalen Smith and Manti. Just the presence he has at the middle linebacker position. I love this kid, man. I love this kid. What school you go to? It goes to Bosco out there in LA. What's his name? It's Kingston Villa Lamuasa. Five star linebacker. His top three schools, he's already announced it would come down to Notre Dame, Ohio State, and USC. Yeah, it's going to be hard to get out of USC. St. John Bosco. Yeah, we play him this year, I think, in the scrimmage or something. Oh, we. We just smacked the training league team yesterday, so, you know, we're we not scared of nobody. So, basically, Notre Dame fans, that cat Malik is going to get to see <laughs> Jason no, no, actually really, you know, they, they're unfair. But I'm just saying that the teams they play on a league basis, we just whoop one of them. So we with that. Um, you know, I think he, he definitely moves very Jalen-like. He ain't Jalen. No, no, I said he's just short of Jalen. I yeah. said that. I yeah, said he's, he's short. He's short. He might be a little midget to Jalen, but – I do think no, 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 no. But I do think he moves really good, man. I think uh, one thing he looks very instinctive. He has a nose for the football, um, and physical, man. I think the linebackers that have no fear can run through gaps and 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 play at full speed like this is definitely a um, a signifier that they'll play fast, just like this in college. And I think when you talk about what fits Notre Dame. This is what you're looking like. I think, you know, Maris probably looked a little bit like this coming out of high school before the injuries because he was flying around a little bit like that. But I really like what this kid uh, brings to the table. He plays with great leverage. I mean, he looks like he's crab walking through the whole, you know, highlight tape. You don't really see him standing straight up. He's got a lot of speed and he's aggressive and got bad intentions to the tackle, which is – uh which is really cool to see, man. I think um, along with obviously looking like the part, you see why he's a five-star linebacker. Um, and he's not afraid to put his nose in there. So for us and how it fits, I think it would upgrade a lot from the sideline to sideline play that we're looking to have uh, with our, our new and reinvented linebackers that we've recruited with a Drake Bowen and a Jay Nosberry, the way they look. He's going to look just like them coming into school, and I think it would be a great fit, uh, especially because he looks like he's pretty versatile. He could be something like a a box safety in some cases because he looks slim enough like he can get down there and make plays. But the best thing about him is that he's physical to the point of attack, and he's got a nose for a football and that motor, man. You know, he's got a good motor on him. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, getting a top three linebacker – I mean, a top – linebacker to be considering us in his top three shows a lot of testament to where Marcus Freeman impact comes as a position coach. I'm sure he probably shared some linebacker stories and stuff with, with this kid to where he, he can be like, Oh, I can play for a guy like this. 
you know. So along with that and having a Buckets Award winner three out of the last, what, six or seven years, mm-hmm. I think that's that's that bodes well for a kid that in a system like Bosco, Notre Dame makes sense. And so uh, <laughs> it's crazy how Bosco recruits, so I don't know if they – Say anything to the kid. They Let have- me ask you a question because we're going to talk about that in the second half of the show. It's a great article in the Athletic about how tampering is ripping college football apart. It's a great article. Bruce Feldman did an incredible job with this article, man. The lengths of tampering that's taking place right now in college football, where you have big time programs, second week. They literally have departments dedicated to watching film and calling players on other teams the second week of the season. It's it's some great work done by Bruce Feldman. We'll, we'll get to it. But Bosco, when you have schools like Bosco, Modern Day, how dangerous is it to recruit kids from there when you feel like they haven't been tested or challenged. You know, it's always been easy. They play with the best players. They play, you know what I'm saying? So when they get to a campus, when they're playing against other great players, I want, I would be interested in seeing what the bust factor is from schools like Bosco, Modern Day, and those big-time programs that just seem to Get all the top talent. Well, the, those situations, a lot of times, uh, the issue becomes they don't pop on the scene because one, when you go to programs like this, you're not getting a, a bulk share of the reps. Because even if you are a starter, mm-hmm. you're whooping teams by second quarter. You're not playing the whole game. Yeah. So you you getting. Less than 50% of the snaps in a game as a starter. Yeah. Because so many guys trying to rotate. So you're you're working on half reps and you flash, but you gotta have at the end of the day, it's about reps. And 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 those those reps through experience. So if you're going in there and you flash, it just doesn't last long enough. You're just not gonna have enough built up in the tank. Yeah. Like a Formula One car, you'll go, you'll your first couple of days in practice. Oh man, who was that? He's Bosco. Oh man, he's the, about that six, seven practices in camp. Oh, he's just another dude. Right. You never had to stretch your talent. Right, right. It's been okay, pop for a first quarter, then you good. You just take your pads off. We got seven other top guys that gotta get some film, you good. So when you get in those situations where everybody's kind of solid, you got guys that have played four years on a bad team and had to take on double teams their whole career. So they've had to deal with different things where you're just you're just playing football. You take yeah. it on one block, maybe you got a USC D tackle in front of you, taking up double teams, you just running gaps. So your 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 shed blocking isn't great because you didn't have to do it too much. You didn't have to work through a, a triple team or a double team too much. Then, you know, you flying around now, you do that in practice, you get your, your block knocked off. Now you, you like, I don't know if I'm going to be, this ain't high school where I could be running in there all willy nilly. Right. Cause I'm getting putting hands on. I'm just not the fact. So it's just, it's just a lot that changes for guys that go into systems like this. Cause it can be misleading. But you can't the, – the beautiful thing about football is you cannot fake the funk. The, this is why I love Kingston. I remember the first time I watched this film, I was like – Wait, you love who? Kingston. Oh, the yeah. The linebacker we just watched. And I saw – I watched him. He, great interview. Great kid. Rob, Ryan Roberts had a great interview with the kid. He's a noted, I hate saying this, but I mean, if you see a kid and you say, oh, he looks like a kid that we that would be walking Notre Dame's campus. 
And I hate putting people in the box like that, but there's so much That's diversity. Notre Dame has made it, though. But I want to say this. I think Notre Dame does itself a disservice because there's so much diversity to that statement if they will explore it. Like saying, like, yo, you look like a Notre Dame fit does not close the window. In my opinion, it opens the window because there are so many diverse people at Notre Dame, so many different diverse people from different areas and walks of life. They kind of pour into the culture that is Notre Dame. And he fits that, in my opinion. He absolutely fits that. And watching this young man and watching this film, I'm like, yo, he runs around like Jalen, but he just has this aura when you hear him talk, like he's a Manti type. Like he'll he he's somebody that will hit campus and people will immediately be drawn to it, immediately love, and he'll produce from day one. And he's a natural linebacker. Then this is this is not somebody which goes back to what we just said. And we're gonna show you Teddy Rezac in a second, who just committed to Notre Dame. No problem with Teddy Rezac, who eventually is going to probably end up in a linebacker position, maybe Rover. That's not his natural position. Right. Or he's not as instinctive. I said from watching spring practice, the most instinctive and natural linebackers were the two freshmen. It was easy to see, left. They just played it, they played a position like they were born to play. Linebacker. Kingston is in the same mold. He's born, he was born to play linebacker. That's that's I what he say does. He's more of a Jeremiah Wusu than I, he I, is a Jalen. I didn't say he was a Jalen, man. Stop no, I'm saying I'm not personal. saying I'm not saying you said that. I'm just saying from a comparison standpoint. Okay. I think I think he plays more like a Wusu than he does a Jalen only because. I think he can – he's more impactful on the tackle. Jalen wasn't trying to boom you necessarily because he's like, look, bro, I'm just – I'm here to let you know I'm better than you, but I'm not trying to kill you. A wusu's going to go in there and hit you. And be there. Facts. So he's more like a wusu because he's head first. He grabbing something, diving at yeah. something. Jalen's like, I'm faster than you. I'm better than you. So I'm going to be there, and I'm going to just put you down. You know, right. he just, oh, no, come here. I'm going to put you. you know, right. Where are you going to put you? Right. This dude is like, I'm hitting you and physically taking you down. So I think from a physicality standpoint and point of attack, he's more like Jeremiah Wusu. But either way, you're talking about buckets of war winners. You put a kid in a, in a group that I think has a lot of talent at that linebacker position. It's interesting because you put him with the rest of those guys. Is he is he looking the same? Because Drake Bowen's no slouch. Jalen Sneed's no slouch. Connor uh, Ziegler's no slouch. Nolan Ziegler's no slouch. Jay Osbury, no slouch. So we got all these linebackers right now. You throw him in there. Totally different, totally different look on, on what on what you're bringing to what we've had before. You've had guys before in that middle of the defense that was a little stiff. Couldn't get to the rallying point in open space. Couldn't make the tackle behind the line of scrimmage on blitzes. You watch this kid's film, he's making those tackles. You throw him in there with some guys that are coming in looking to part two. You see a transition of what the room is going to look like from a Carlos Calabrese wow. to a Jalen Steed. That's the evolution of the position that we're on the up and up for. We ain't Alabama linebackers yet because, you know, that they got a little bit different down there. But on a talent perspective, mm-hmm. we, 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 we in the top five now for linebacker talent. And that's why the ranking of top 10, surprising to some, shouldn't be. When you look at the collective, 
you know, I understand, you know, you talk about Maris and Kaiser and J.D. Bertrand and folks feel like we know what we have with those guys and we're clamoring for the youngsters, Nolan Ziegler, Jalen Sneed, Drake Bowen, Jay Nosberry, it's their time. It is, and it eventually will be their time. But there's going to be a mixture with this linebacking core during this season. And hopefully they can live up to being the 10th best, being ranked as one of the top 10 linebacking cores in the nation. So let's just, you know, that's a nice little overview of where Notre Dame stands and how the fans feel about it. Next up left is for the Culture Friday. I have some interesting questions for you. Was Ronnie played by Jada Pinkett in Minister Society? Was she a bad mother? She a bad mother in real life. Was she a bad mother? We'll talk about it. Only right here for the Culture Friday, and we'll dig into tampering in college football and how it impacts Notre Dame. Lucky Lefty Podcast. We spin it different. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.